0: does have it all all of our pre-owned vehicles are hubler q certified which include a 128 point vehicle inspection a free carfax vehicle history report and two warranties a two-year 100,000 mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000 mile comprehensive warranty visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com you're listening to the best of kevin inquiry on 93.5 and 1075 the fan High and under center, first and goal for the Colts. Taylor's his lone back. It's a quarterback keeper for Matt Ryan, no signal yet and yes he is! Touchdown Matt Ryan! Third and three for the Colts Raiders 20, Colts 19 Colts back to the line of scrimmage, out of the gun Matt Ryan to pass, has time shuffled out and he's going to take off and run he's got a first down and more, 35 40, 45, cut back 50, still going down the far sideline, and he's tripped up inside the Raider 40, Matt Ryan looked like an Olympic sprinter down the far the throw, crossing pattern, inside the 20 to go to Colts, 10 at the 5, and they will score a touchdown! with Paris Campbell. The crowd gasping for air here with anticipation. Fourth and seven at the 16-yard line. Backs the throw. Giving Brown. Throws downfield into the end zone. And it's broken up by the Colts by Stephon Gilmore. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Devontae Adams, the intended receiver. And no flags on the play. And the Raiders have turned it over on downs with under a minute to go. In the land of gambling. Gamble, gamble. Make up late man. Who goes hardest the longest, man? That's how this game is decided. The most physical football team won today. Can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Hey, Parks, congrats, man. Yeah. yeah. Luck be a lady
1: tonight. Jeff Saturday 1-0. A lady
0: tonight.
1: As head football coach. As of right now, Jake, we have two undefeated coaches meeting Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll see if Nick Sirianni keeps it alive tonight as the Eagles take on the Commanders Monday Night Football, but um, simply the Colts were the better coach team yesterday, uh, which is pretty crazy to think about it like that with how the week unfolded, Uh, but in a week really unlike any other, we had one more twist that... I felt like was coming on Friday afternoon. Jeff Saturday was super non-committal about Sam Ellinger as a starter. Sure enough, Jim Merce let Jeff Saturday go back to Matt Ryan. And um, I thought the Colts just were the more cohesive, more disciplined unit yesterday. I don't know if they're more talented than the Raiders. Raiders got some individual talent. But uh, that, to me, is why uh, they come out of their victorious. 25-20 yesterday.
2: We have Matt Ryan.
1: He's back. Is your mic working? You seem very You seem very quiet. I don't know. Yeah, Do Samuel. Samuel says we can't hear Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Grab that mic. Is there
3: another one? Swing on around. Here we go. Okay, hang on. Hang on. Okay, we, how's that? Are we the Raiders right now? That's right. There you um, are. It no, it was a great moment and it was a great win for the Colts and as I was just saying and you couldn't hear me say it you know Jeff Saturday looks like a guy that at the very least everyone rallied around how long that lasts you know we don't know but who cares right now right the the Kevin I don't want to be the guy this is the, the the challenge is that I'm saying this as a positive people think I'm being negative I'm saying this as a positive though but but I can't help myself but to say this If you look at Washington and New England, neither of which are, like, overly stout opponents, are we going to look back and say, you know, the Colts, the storyline is that Matt Ryan came back, they, they inserted Matt Ryan in, heroic return for Matt Ryan, he wins the game for them. Why was he not there to begin with? Like, that's such an odd and peculiar decision in hindsight because if they win those two games it's entirely possible had Matt Ryan played and not Sam Ellinger that the Colts right now are sitting at 6-3 and 1 and they're still within striking distance especially in an AFC where parity is ruling I I guess that's for another day but to me it did illuminate the odd decision of the two week Sam Ellinger like it felt like Tolzien all over again experiment but nonetheless Jeff Saturday looked like a dude. He just looked like a dude, right? That like everybody rallied around and was like, let's go.
1: Which was cool. You know, entering the game, there were two things. I tweeted this out just before kickoff. Two things I was curious about with Jeff Saturday. One, would we finally see better offensive line communication? And then two, would we see a sense of urgency early on in a football game that frankly hasn't been there at all this season? I thought for the first time all year and we can throw in the caveat of like, it was the Raiders probably before every statement today. So I don't think we need to like mention it time and time again. Yes, you did play the Raiders and boy, Jeff Saturday's tweet about the Raiders being terrible, uh, pretty accurate. Um, But I thought you supported Matt Ryan or supported the quarterback position uh, for the first time, really all season, like how you thought it was going to be entering the year. So I thought from an offensive line communication standpoint, um, one hit against Matt Ryan all afternoon, and then, of course, the bigger run by Jonathan Taylor there in the third quarter, which was blocked beautifully. And then you talk about a sense of urgency. Yes, they, they go three and out to start the game, but you built a 7 nothing lead at the end of the first quarter, first time all season. You had a lead at, at the end of one. You have a halftime lead, first time since Christmas. The Colts just responded to Jeff Saturday In a way that I was curious about. And it's a different type of leader. It's a different sounding leader. Um, It's a different energy level. We'll have Joe Wrights on here in about 25 minutes to talk more about this because I'm curious his thoughts on Jeff Saturday as the head football coach. Um, And then in game, we didn't see any like massive time management mistakes, you know, substitution penalties, delay of games. Parks Frazier, I thought, did a really nice job. And simplifying things, getting the ball out quickly for Matt Ryan, um, but yeah, to your point, Jake, it is very interesting that Jim Mersey demanded the benching of Matt Ryan um, for Frank Reich, uh, but now Jeff Saturday's here and he's going to let Jeff Saturday coach the football team at the very least for now. Is it, too, Kevin? I want your opinion here.
3: Because one thing where I'm guilty sometimes is not reading the room and knowing like the right timing to say something, it appears. So maybe this is the wrong time to say this. But my reaction is I saw that as I'm watching Matt Ryan play and play well, the thing that popped into my mind was at least for now, should there be some relief for Colts fans that they are now coached by a man that. The owner respects enough to let him make his own decisions.
1: Yeah, I guess it's a kind of a shame that that statement even has to be made, but I totally understand why you say that. Um, because I, again, I don't. I, I just kept watching the game, thinking to myself,
3: "They, they said, and I didn't say it. They said Matt Ryan was health, healthy enough to
1: have played in those two games. So why was he not playing? Because Jim Merced demanded he be benched." So, And I guess just to fill everybody out on how last week unfolded, again, Jeff Saturday said Sam Ellinger would be the starter on Monday. He watched Matt Ryan at practice on Thursday. I think even in that first day Matt Ryan got back to practice, there already was a thinking in Jeff Saturday's mind from Monday to Thursday of like, hey, if he looks decent, I'm probably going to go with him.
3: Okay, what about this? If Tony Dungy doesn't publicly on national television question the decision to leave out Matt Ryan, does Matt Ryan get inserted back into the lineup?
1: Um, I, I, I certainly hear it coming from there. I, I'd like to think that, again, Jeff Saturday made this decision because he believes it gives the Colts the best chance to win in the short term. Right, which is cool. I mean, obviously that was... But but again, I, I want to go back to Jake... They just supported Ryan better. That offensive line, Matt Ryan has hit one time in 28 pass attempts. Again, the huge run by Taylor. Um, and then finally, you a- you were able to get that defensive stop. Things were leaking. Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs look like the studs that they are. And I know we'll talk a lot about Stefan Gilmore's fourth down play and all of that. You don't make that fourth down play without Bobby O'Karake not making the play on third down. Yeah, he Bobby O'Kara played well, right? I mean, that that... Punch, you know, knocking the ball out of Foster Moreau's hands yeah. down the seam. It doesn't get to Devontae Adams versus Stefan Gilmore on fourth down if Bobby doesn't make that play. Um, I just felt like with Ryan, his worst play yesterday was really taking that sack. And I thought it was an awful play. But again, he hasn't even been that. Usually it's that that catastrophic turnover You didn't have that out of Ryan. So I thought you did a wonderful job supporting him. I thought he managed it really, really well. And I thought offensively, Parks Frazier just... (laughs) I found when they QB... That was the first touchdown of the game, right? The QB sneak by by Ryan. That told me everything I needed to know about what Parks Frazier was going to do. It's first and goal from the one, and they QB sneak it with Matt Ryan. That is saying, we're not messing around here. We're not going to get cute with it on the goal line. I need to simplify things and just... Try well, and just keep drives going. Take advantage of chances when you get those. And um, I thought they did a really nice job of that. Four hundred yards, over four hundred yards of total offense. Uh, incredible balance, passing and running. Um, so really nice debut by partial. And Jim merce had said after the game. He said after the game, basically, like, look, we we just
3: had to keep things simple. You know, we, we just go back to the basics and keep it simple. So, uh, a Colts victory Monday. Good morning to you. We'll talk plenty about the Colts winning yesterday over the course of the show. Joe writes, as Kevin had mentioned, will join us about 20 minutes from now. My name is Jay Query. That was Kevin Bowen's voice. You just heard Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Query on a Monday. Good morning to you in Indianapolis after a Colts win, which always gives people a little extra pep in the step. Now, of course, everything turns towards Philadelphia, who plays tonight turning around and coming to Indianapolis. It was a great day yesterday in the NFL in general, In a late game, which is always unusual because then you get to watch an early game. Mark got to watch his Bears and the
1: Lions, mm-hmm. which was great for 99% of it, right? Yeah, that's fine. Losses, you know, again, I was telling you uh, before the show started. It's a loss, yes, you'd like to see Justin Fields get those wins, but you've boosted the draft stock, and maybe a team that needs a quarterback can now get fleeced by the Bears in April. The, the Colts starting... At the time, they did. That's an interesting
3: thought, Mark. I like that. <laughs> Going with the for thought there, right? The That's only right. the only drawback of the cold start time was it was starting right as the Buffalo Minnesota game was finishing, and that was one of the craziest endings. Did you see what happened at the end of that I, game? I almost Kevin?
1: felt like we needed to pause the four o'clock start so we could was, watch the end of Bills Vikings.
3: I, I've never seen anything like it, and I know everybody knows now what happened, but I, I guess for the few of you that don't literally in the last minute of the game Minnesota was stopped on fourth and inches goal line stand by I mean the Bills. fourth and inches fourth and goal from the inch six inches away from the end zone Kirk Cousins sneaks it and gets stopped they literally pushed him immediately sideways Buffalo gets the ball back with like 52 seconds to go and is theoretically just needs to they can't take a knee because they're on the goal line Josh Allen tries to sneak it and fumbles the snap Minnesota recovers at four touchdown to go up three and seemingly win the game. Buffalo comes roaring back, gets in field goal range. Josh Allen gets him within range of a field goal. And the last seconds, they hit that to force overtime. Then in overtime, Minnesota kicks a field goal. Buffalo gets picked. Minnesota wins the game. It was an unbelievable turn of
1: events. So the Dolphins are not leading the AFC East. Is that right? How about this? Seven and three Miami Dolphins. How about the six and three Jets? Six and three Bills than the five and four Patriots. Can you imagine? Like, So if the playoffs started today, you'd have four AFC East teams in it. Yeah, the Bills are currently third in the AFC East right now. Every single wild card would be an AFC East team. How about this statistic? I'll let Mark
3: guess here on Pop Quiz Variation. Yesterday in the NFL, we saw a quarterback get a quarterback rating of 135 or higher for the third straight game for the first time in NFL history. Who was it? Was it Justin Fields? I don't think it was. Kevin, yesterday in the NFL, we had a quarterback get a rating of 135 for the third straight week. The first time in NFL history that's happened. Who was it? I'm going to guess it was Tua. That is correct. My second guess was Tua. Tua.
1: 39-17 over the Browns yesterday, the Dolphins. Again, tonight, Commanders and Eagles. That game in Philly. The Colts will welcome Philly here for a 1 o'clock kick next Sunday. You know, I think one of the hardest things, Jake, with... The switch to Jeff Saturday is like, okay, how much of that leadership can he instill midseason? Right. Um, And like, how much does it matter as well? And again, that's something I want to throw to Joe Wright's coming up in about 15 minutes. But you look at the results from yesterday, and there's no denying whether it's the offensive line as an individual position group or the football team in general, that this team reacted differently to Jeff Saturday than they had been. Um, they led at the end of the first quarter. They led at the end of the second quarter. They led at the end of the third quarter. That's not happened all season long. Um, again, from an offensive line standpoint, yes, the Raiders entered yesterday with the worst pass rush in the NFL, but Matt Ryan has hit once. I thought it was the best the run game has looked since week one. Um, and so when you look at those areas, and I just think Saturday's in, in general approach all week long I do think it resonated. Um, I'm sure there's an element of guys inside that locker room, credit to them for reacting in a way where, you know, they didn't just look like Chris Bauer to that Monday press conference and curl up in a ball. They handled themselves in a professional manner. I don't think you could say the same thing about the Raiders. It seemed like every time the Raiders had an issue yesterday, it was bitching and moaning. It was, I mean, Devontae Adams at one point just went over and sat on the bench for a critical third down. I was like, what is going on after that holding penalty? I just thought the Colts were a more cohesive unit. They weren't cracking like the Raiders were cracking. And again, when you're facing that opponent, it probably is pretty easy to be like, oh man, at least they aren't as dysfunctional as them. You play who shows up on your schedule. And yesterday the Colts got it done. Um... In ways we haven't seen them do it this season. You know what's fascinating to me is, and I guess it's a compliment, somehow or another,
3: you and I, Kevin, have been lumped in as national talents. Which, I can't Gosh, speak for we? you, I'm certainly not. No. But, I don't know why, I, you know, uh, cool, it comes with the territory. I don't know why or how we got lumped in. Like, the number of people yesterday that were reaching out to me tweet email text whatever like so are you going to eat crow now what are you going to say about them hiring jeff saturday i don't see you having a problem with it now and i'm like have i did did we ever have a problem with it i don't remember one time saying anything about i mean as a matter of fact kevin i think you and i both were saying uh, did did we and i know that the national narrative bill cowher and shannon sharp and joe thomas you know they were all complaining that jeff saturday wasn't qualified to be an nfl head coach and he wasn't ready for it and he did those that have covered jeff saturday and been around him and know him and talked to him were like hey i let's see what happens i i, I don't i don't know anywhere where it, I I would right now I will offer a one thousand dollar bounty to anybody that can provide the audio of me questioning or damning the hire of Jeff Saturday. I, where did it go? Where where did I say that? God, a thousand bucks. Jeez. Have at. Or or right here, Regent Bryan, who by the way, speaking of bitching and moaning, that's he lives to do just that. You, what wait, time will you guys
1: Clemson this past weekend and. A little more coming back know, in the pocket?
3: I don't know if they actually covered. Uh, what time will you be issuing your formal apologies to Ballard? Time to admit you were wrong. Uh, about what?
1: Yeah, Ballard, I, I, I don't understand where that's coming from. The O-line, maybe? Receivers? You get a win against the Raiders, and he's absolved of everything. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, maybe because the, the receivers are, you know, Paris Campbell's playing well. And we knew that Michael Pickles was We're going to have, have Paris Campbell on.
1: This week, by the way. Not sure exactly the day yet, but uh, we will have Paris Campbell. What's
3: interesting is it was Chris Ballard who said, not me, not Kevin, not Mark. Chris Ballard's the one that said, We can't play like Paris Campbell's our number two wide receiver, right?
1: Where does he slot right now for them? Yeah, he would be in uh, Michael Pittman's number. Yeah, he'd be right behind Pittman, right? He's playing well, though. Yeah, I you think know? it's a day, Jake, where, you know, with how chaotic last week was, um, I think the Colts deserve to have this win celebrated. You know, I find myself always doing this in the Monday after games, evaluating performance versus result. And the performance, and now taking a win over the Raiders and saying, okay, what does that mean for the rest of the season? Can the Colts get back in the playoff race? Are they going to beat the Eagles? I mean, if you look at the schedule, the schedule gets a whole lot tougher real quick. We can get into performance and I think we can do that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and continue to look bigger picture stuff throughout the rest of the month of November and into December. You got a bye week end of December. Perfect time to talk about some of that stuff. But in the Monday after such a crazy, crazy week, I mean, hell, Jeff Saturday, this time last week was two hours away from calling into this radio show. I think yesterday can be celebrated. No, I get it. And should be celebrated. And I'm not saying this. At you, Jake, or anybody else, but it was kind of an internal battle that I had with myself last night of saying, how do you react to that? But my point being, Kevin, this
3: is my point. I don't disagree with you, but but and, and maybe I'm just wired differently, but my point is simply this. I get, and this is what I said at the beginning of the game, the Colts deserve a ton of credit for overcoming what they overcame last right. week to win a game except for the fact that everything they overcame was created by the Colts. You know, the Colts the Colts overcome and bring back the triumphant return of Matt Ryan. Well, Matt Ryan wasn't like he didn't overcome a staff infection. He right. overcame an infection on their staff, right? From the top of it. Right. You know, that's the stuff to me that's weird about it. Is like, I just look at it and I'm thinking to myself, man, don't they? They realistically, without one really bizarre move, could be riding what
1: a three game win streak. Yeah, I, I don't know if they beat if they beat the Patriots, but they beat the Commanders, though, right? Yeah, you'd like think that you finish that that one off there. Um, boy, I thought Jonathan Taylor looked really healthy yesterday too. I think Taylor has looked healthy. He just didn't have any... Uh,
3: what what really is, to me, the story of yesterday is the fact that that
1: offensive line looked like the... I, I mean, yep. finally, it was like, here we go. When you support Matt Ryan like that, he can give you winning football. Correct. No question. And that's exactly what you did yesterday. Again, the offensive line, really sound. Jonathan Taylor, obviously that 66-yarder. And again, Bobby O'Carica making the huge play on third down followed by Stephon Gilmore. On fourth down. We'll get to the afternoon for Parks-Frazier. Very balanced, simplified things, got the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands very quickly. I think got some guys in space. That was important as well. Um, Joe Wright's going to join us here in less than 10 minutes. Kevin and Inquiry uh, on a Colts victory Monday, twenty-five twenty over the Raiders.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
3: 25 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on a Colts Victory Monday. Been a while since we've been able to say that. Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It's Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan Kevin, story of the game yesterday, there were a lot of them. The return of Matt Ryan would be one. But I'll tell you what, the way that offensive line played would be probably the biggest storyline for the Colts.
1: Yeah, I thought you supported Matt Ryan um, and really supported the quarterback position, um, which you haven't done enough this season. Uh, Joe Wrights is with us here. Was told that Joe Wrights is only coming on because he heard that if you show up on this show on Mondays and you're a guest, then you get the NFL head coaching gig the next week
4: yeah exactly good morning gentlemen uh, are you gonna leave
1: your cyo I, job and take an nfl job next week well you know i've never been
4: one to toot my own horn but i'll toot the horn of the uh eight and oh third grade our lady mount carmel raiders who ran <laughs> through the cyo this year and so with that i'm just wondering so this is jeff's spot right am i stepping in for jeff y- you who you are gone to greener past wow i next, feel honored
1: next this man morning. up
4: i feel honored this morning hey Sat was a great teammate to me and You know, it was a good couple years we had, so obviously super excited for him, super excited for the team, the fans, everybody. It it was just a different Colts team that I think everybody saw and felt, you know, last Sunday afternoon.
1: Let's go back to a week ago Monday, Joe, and I'm just curious your initial reaction to how everything unfolded from the firing of Frank Reich off of... Again the war one of the if not the worst offensive performances in franchise history and then the Jeff Saturday news um what were your initial thoughts a week ago
4: I was not shocked but surprised Frank got let go but also felt like you know something had to happen after that New England game it had been a steady fall and it just really got ugly there Sunday afternoon and sometimes there's defining moments like that game that really you have to trigger a switch now I was shocked that Jeff uh, was hired from the job. And, you know, there was a lot of talk, some good, some bad, all over the place about him. But bottom line, you know, Jeff Saturday, and, and just like him, I was in an NFL locker room for nine years. I was, you know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Peyton Manning and Saturday and all these great coaches. Jeff is a unique leader of men. And so from that aspect, I didn't have any worry about him coming in, being able to take hold of the locker room because, one, he has instant credibility because he sat in their shoes He wasn't some first-round, you know, primo five-star guy. He was an undrafted guy that worked his way to a, you know, Hall of Fame-type career and six-time Pro Bowler. So I knew he'd have instant credibility with the players. I also knew he would have credibility because if I'm a player and a coach gets let go mid season, guess what I'm thinking? I better get my stuff together or I'm going to be out on the street. And I think we saw players respond that way. I thought that overall we played the hardest as a team we played since the Chiefs game, and there were some guys – that I thought played harder and not by a little bit, by a lot, than they had all year. And I think that's a product, one, of Jeff's leadership, but two, also the unique situation that, hey, kind of everybody's on watch. But, again, I thought he did a a tremendous job. I think it was fun to see the team play with an energy, a juice, a passion they necessarily haven't had. And I also thought we were physical. And you go back to the offensive line, we ran for 200-plus That was the most physical the offensive line has played all year, which obviously I love to see.
3: Joe, in terms of the offensive line and what seemingly was a magic wand from last week or last month to yesterday, is there a centerpiece, is there a player, is there a cog in that wheel that was the difference yesterday, where you were able to look at it as somebody who played in the league on the line and say that right there is the piece that because it's playing well, everything else is falling into line.
4: I don't think there was one thing. I think there's really three things, Jake. And and what I saw was one. I think you solidified the right guard with Will Fries. I thought he played really well yesterday. I thought he's done well all year. It seems like him and Braden Smith there together. They're both similar size guys, length guys. Seems like they play well. That first third down of the game, you know, the Raiders ran a TE, a tackle end stunt that against New England before, they basically got two sacks on that same exact stunt. They passed it off seamlessly. They seem to be playing well, and I think Will Fries will only get better. Again, it's only his, you know, really third start and as a second-year player. So I think that's one, and then Ryman on the left side too. I think, two, they played as physical as they played all year. And I think, honestly – it's probably when your head coach is an offensive lineman, I'm sure he challenged those guys this week and they responded well. And then I think three play calling wise, and oh by the way, the hidden MVP Parks Frazier, I mean tremendous job. Rick Venturi last week we talked about it. Anybody can put together a game plan. But Coleman plays X's and O's when you're an O or D coordinator. That's a special skill. And I thought he was he was awful good on Sunday. But I thought that we kind of simplified things in the run game we spread some guys out had some lighter boxes and I'll just talk about that 66 yard run that's one of our staples we ran a weak side play left but then you have the tight end Mo Alley coming back across the formation so that puts those linebackers in conflict he did a good job cutting off Max Crosby the linebacker went backside Ryan Kelly sealed him off and boom we were out the gate so I think those three things for the offensive line and then overarching we had the lead We were up 10 to nothing. That's something the Colts haven't played with really all year. And when you're leading throughout the game, you can dictate offensively what you do. You can throw on first down if you want. You can run on third down. That's something the Colts have been behind the eight ball so much. They've been forced to get in these do-or-die situations and throw all the time. That's not fun for anybody. So that's what I saw watching the game when I kind of broke down the tape.
1: Yeah, it seemed like that play, that 66-yarder was blocked so well and then finally got Taylor to that second or third level, which hasn't happened enough this but, season. But
4: the, reason, but the reason there, Kevin, is that's their 30th rush of the game. And you have continued to pound those guys, pound those guys. And we always said the, the 3 4 five you're on in the first half, those are the one you break for 30, 40, 50 in the second half. And it's a product of everything that you've done to that, leaning on those guys, being able to call runs and stay with the
1: running game because you are ahead on the scoreboard. Yeah, you felt like the Raiders were going to crack, and at that point, you are able to hit them right in the mouth. Um, again, Joe Wright's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Joe, I, I want to talk a little bit more like head coach, big picture uh, question with you here. Um, what type of leader do you think an NFL locker room gravitates towards the most? You know, I think there is no debating that in Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday, it's a different energy level. It's a different sounding voice. It's a different type of personality. Um, Do you think a locker room sides a little bit more towards the emotional, outspoken, rah-rah nature, or do you think a little bit more of a quiet demeanor and a a consistent message uh, would be the other side of it?
4: That's a tough question. I know me personally, I would like a little more outspoken, raw, raw guy. I mean, I played four head coaches, John Harbaugh, Chuck, Bruce Arians, and Jim Caldwell, all uniquely different, all went to the playoffs, all successful. But I do think that, you know, sometimes if you're more of a a quiet demeanor, you know, like Frank is, over time, you know, you can kind of lose your voice in the locker room. And, I mean, that's, you know, Larry Bird, Bill Parcells, a lot of guys say, hey, every four or five years, you need to get a new voice anyway. But I think definitely – Jeff has a unique juice, a unique charisma about him, and he has a lot of confidence, too. And, uh, you know, I always felt that like when Bruce Arians was in there. You know, that year, 2012, you know, we were no good. Our talent, our roster was bad, but Bruce had so much confidence in himself, and his chest was always puffed out so much, you just kind of walk around like, okay, I believe this, I can do this, and that's a coach's job, you know, to get guys ready to play and instill in them the confidence and belief, and that's something that definitely Jeff has. Now, I also will say, you know, he benefits from just a change, right? Any change you make is going to bring a certain natural boost energy level. And so for me, it was a great win, super excited. I'm really excited to see what they do this week, right? How do you bounce back when you come off a little bit of that emotional high, so to speak, and you get to work on Wednesday against, oh, by the way, Philadelphia Eagles who are undefeated. And I think it was a a good win, you know, against them. But, you know, Vegas is two and seven. And I think we will see – and probably be defined a little bit more, you know, coming up this Sunday at 1 o'clock, you know, when the undefeated Eagles are in Lucas Oil.
3: You know, one of the things that will be interesting to me, Joe, uh, Joe Wright is our guest on the Payless Suggers Hotline, is you know, Jeff Saturday is such a good dude, right? I mean, like, even people that don't know him, I think, can tell he's just a good guy. Nice genuine. guy. You know, genuine, all that. The one thing that we've never seen, and I don't know, uh, I'm sure those that played with him regularly saw this, but we've never seen him have to be a jerk. And I'm not saying you have to be that as a coach Joe, but you know what I mean like when he when when the times are down and it's and now all of a sudden guys are having to rally for him because of a situation where things were not going well under his watch and then he's got to get in the face of guys, hold them accountable, make tough decisions, make personnel decisions. Those are the times to me that I'm really curious because I don't know that Jeff Saturday's ever really had a situation where he was the bad guy in his life right
4: well i, I mean i would disagree and push back only because the the two years when i was with him in the locker room he has no problem addressing people having a direct confrontation and and getting in guy's face i i think he is a a really fierce competitor now he, he's smiling with his baby blue eyes in the media you know and everybody loves him but but don't uh don't get it twisted. There were a lot of times in practice, locker rooms, team meetings when you know Jeff wasn't afraid to go at anybody. And well, that's good then, because that's and, and, he, that's and, what he's going to have to do, couple, right? But 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 he just he he's only going to ask people to do the same things that he did, right? Right. And you know, when I was lucky to be in that locker room with him and Peyton Manning and and all those great leaders, you know, it was a high high bar because the leaders were saying, "This is the standard. This is what we do." But yeah, Jeff is uh, he's definitely got a fiery demeanor to him. And I'm sure that practice this week leading up was a little bit different than guys had over the last six, seven weeks. And there was accountability. And I think the three things I saw in that game on Sunday was the the juice, the the energy, the esprit de corps, so to speak. I saw accountability, and I saw physicality. And that's something that I know Jeff, as a player, hung his hat on. And, again, your team is going to take on the personality of the head coach. And I think that underdog mentality, that fighter mentality – that physical mentality, that's something that Jeff's going to try to put a stamp on this team over the next seven games.
3: How long, Joe, as a player, when you have, and, and I realize that in terms of like an unexpected interim, I think the Aryan situation is the only in which you played underneath. And in that case, you had the spirit of the rally for Chuck Pagano as well. So it's maybe a little different. But from a playing standpoint in the National Football League, the juice, the jolt, the energy you get from the new voice. Realistically, that wave lasts how long?
4: I think that will remain to be seen. But to me, it's not about just doing it on Sunday. If you're a high-juice person, and, and I like to think I, I got a lot of juice. I like to get up early and get fired up and go. You can't just do it on Saturday and Sunday. you got to do a Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And it's easy on Sunday afternoon. It's easy today. To me, it will be how spirited is that are practice this Wednesday? How ready are they this Thursday? How ready are they this Friday? But the teams, the cultures that play with that type of energy and enthusiasm, they don't just do it on Sundays. you got to live it 24-7. And, again, I know that that's something that Jeff, that's kind of who he is at a core. And, again, I'm sure he's going to try to put that unique um, level of just, again, preparation, energy, juice, whatever you want to call it, and really try to matriculate that to the team. Now, the challenge is, you know, you can't go – you know, if you ride the wave up and down, up and down, you know, that can be a dangerous game to get into. But again, I think he's just gonna try to steadily build on what they did and see where these last seven games go and, you know, just take it, you know, one game by one game. But again, good win, but I also think, you know, realistically, you know, you're playing the Raiders, much tougher challenge this week. I'm excited to see how they respond. I also thought it was kind of interesting, you know, to me, the Raiders game last year is really when this ship started going south, right? Really when this team you know started eroding kind of slowly over time and then you know you get a new coach and Jeff's in there and you get a win against the Raiders and maybe uh, it's kind of poetic justice that that's kind of when you know this team starts their climb back uphill to get back to the winning culture that you know all of these Indianapolis fans know so well.
1: He's a third grade CIO championship head coach Joe Wright. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline and I don't know. Maybe if Josh McDaniels gets fired today, uh, we might have our second straight week of a Monday guest and a new head coach <laughs> in the NFL. I want to end with this, Joe. Um, going back to Parks Frazier, Jeff Saturday did not did not make that final call on going to Matt Ryan until Friday afternoon. So, you got to think, for at least a chunk of the week, Parks Frazier thought Sam Ellinger would be his starter. Yet, the game plan still allowed for your most offensive balance all season. Um, I thought you got the ball out Quicker, um, I felt like they helped out in pass protection. Ryan has only hit one time. Uh, looking specifically at Parks Frazier, what did you see from him and just the offensive game plan?
4: I thought it was a clean game plan. I thought it was simple, you know. And just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not good, you know. When you know Peyton was here, I mean, we, we ran the same plays all the time, but you just run them from different formations and window dressing, and you just did them better than everybody else. So we executed at a high level. I thought really. We got a little bit cute on that third and one when we took the sack, and Ryan's got to know he can't take the sack. But outside of that, I thought it was a really clean game. I like the balance we had run to pass. And again, it's so much of it is depending on having a lead early. You know, we had that 10 point lead early, and you can just completely change things up the way you call the game. So again, for a guy that's never done that, for a guy that, what is he, 30 years old, is that right? Yeah. I, I, I thought, you know, Parks Frazier. That really was a really good job, especially to your good point, Kevin. The quarterback change came Friday afternoon, and you got to rework things over the next 48 hours. So kudos to him and a tip of the cap for him and a tip of the cap for Jeff for rolling the dice of Parks. Again, you got seven more games. We'll see how it goes. But that was a great start for him calling the plays from the OC spot.
3: I want to get back to one other thing, only because I think myself and, and fans find this fascinating, Joe. When you were a cult player, can you give me an example in the huddle? I, I think this is fascinating. So if there's a play that is, let's say, an out route to Marvin Harrison. So you're saying that that you might have run the same out route to Marvin Harrison, but under two completely different looks and formations so that the defense didn't know you were actually running the exact same play. Can you, can you right now tell me, in the huddle like what was the vernacular that led you to know that you're running the same play but with a different look in the beginning in terms of how the offense is lined up how do you know that in the huddle other than like the long-winded way of which I just said it
4: i, I think that you know what i guess what i was trying to get at is that you you don't need to reinvent the wheel and have a bunch of different crazy route concepts if you have four or five route concepts and you do them really well then that's what you hang your hat on and you just execute at a higher level. Now, you might be running the same play with two receivers on the right and then the next play if three receivers on the right and then one time you have two tight ends and you have a tight end running that route instead of a slot receiver. But the bottom line is that uh, you know for a long, long time, the Colts just executed really well offensively, balanced tempo. And I-, I thought we threw in some tempo in the game, which I thought was great for Jeff. And I think you saw some of that in his stamp on on how that game went and unfolded but but the balance was key being ahead on the the change was the key you know and, and being up 10 nothing early on and uh yeah it, it was exciting it was exciting to see just them offensively I think have you know you throw that in the Jacksonville game and those are two best offensive performances but for Parch to do that again was uh was uniquely special, I think, for somebody calling plays for the first time.
1: Joe, really good stuff as always. Um, again, Joe will be on tonight, Colts Roundtable Live. That's 6 o'clock. You can hear that on our airwaves. Congrats again on the big third grade CYO. Did they carry you off the field like John Madden? They did. What was really cool was
4: we had two Our Lady Mount Carmel third grade teams. We played at the same time at Ron Collin and we both won. So getting to see all those kids celebrate together, that was, uh, it was a special day for, Raider Nation. There's only one Raiders You know, after this yeah. dominant performance by the Colts, and that's up there, Kevin, as you know, at Our Lady Mount sure. Carmel. You
3: know, it's easier to carry you off the field for those kids than it would have been five years ago, right? No, oh, no question. There no, they would have been
4: squished, and kids would have been in the hospital because I was fat and weighed 325 pounds, so there you go.
1: And again, this Raiders coach, secure job. The other Raiders coach we saw yesterday, probably not. Uh, Joe, thank you. Have a great week, man, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
3: Colts win yesterday. Celebrated this morning on a good-looking but chilly Monday morning in Indianapolis. Good morning to you, Jake Query, along with Kevin Bowen and Mark Dykton. Kevin, I ask this somewhat rhetorically, but... The thing to me that was fascinating, after yesterday's game and the, you know, what did Jeff Saturday bring to the table aspect of it, if you look at it, you know, what was different yesterday? Well, you know, people say, well, accountability and, you know, guys wanted to go out and play hard for him and he held guys accountable. He brought in energy, brought a different voice. Wasn't that all of the things that Frank Reich supposedly brought to the table? Wasn't Frank Reich like the thing about Frank Reich as a coach? Yeah, he was like this offensive quarterback whisperer, but wasn't he a great leader of men? Wasn't that the thing that I always heard about Frank Reich? He's just a leader of men. People want to play for him because he has a he's a trusted voice and, you know, he's a he's a pastor and guys buy in and they he, he people don't want to disappoint him like 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 we saw with Tony Dungy. Isn't that you know, so does and I am not saying that to take away from Frank Reich, but does
1: all of that stuff have a shelf life? I think it's a different type of leader now as your head coach than it was because he played. And I don't mean
3: that kind of synonym because he played. You think because guys? Well, like, I hey, mean he, Frank, Frank played, of course. Well, but that's true. Yeah, but yeah. I,
1: I just think different energy level. Played for the Colts, um, I
3: guess I should have said
1: different. Um, Just a different type of leader, and again, that's the question I threw to Joe Reitz when we had him on. I didn't word it as well as I was hoping, but I think an NFL locker room gravitates more towards the leadership style of Jeff Saturday than Frank Reich. And I know there's no way to say that without it sounding like a knock on Frank Reich, but in year five, Jake, his message and how he was leading... I think had gotten stale. And again, it, it, there's a lot of gray area involved in that. So every time I say something like that, I'm kind of like, boy, I'm, it's a little bit coming from the hip. But I think the results would back that up. This team hadn't had a halftime lead since last Christmas. They hadn't started off games with 10 nothing leads. Um, and again, you throw in the caveat, and I feel like we got to do it to set up every hour. You were playing the Raiders. There is no opponent in the NFL yesterday that Jeff Saturday wanted to see more on the schedule than the Raiders. Hell, he tweeted about it. And that couldn't have been a better recipe or medicine, if you will, for the Colts to snap out of it. Um, You know, there's an article that I'm getting ready to post to 1075thefan.com, and it's basically aspects the Colts should be looking for in their next head coach. And the number one trait that I think should be up there, and I've said this all along the Frank Reich era, I think in today's NFL You need a CEO and a leader before you need anything else. I felt Frank Reich was a little bit just too consumed by everything on his plate. You'll watch Nick Sirianni tonight. Nick Sirianni is not the play caller in Philadelphia. If you look at AFC head coaches that have had the most success over the last decade plus, none of them are handling play calling duties on a Sunday, of a Mike Tomlin or a John Harbaugh or a Belichick. I appreciate you closing the bu- blinds, by the way. Well, I could kind of see that you were getting blinded. Yeah, I know. I was, I was struggling there. I looked like Marcus Freeman on the sideline on Saturday. <laughs> I did not know why I didn't put sunglasses on. Anyways, um, I think that's what you need. I think you need someone that lets their coordinators handle business and is able to then oversee everything else. And when they need to have some input defensively, they do that. When they need to have some input offensively, they do that. When the time management and the game management situations arise, they're not sitting there saying, oh man, I've got to worry about this next offensive series that could be coming, or you know, what are we going to dial up defensively? They can kind of pick and choose where they insert themselves uh, within a game and within a week as well. Certainly Saturday's going to have more of an offensive influence right now, um, and he did that. This past week, he mentioned it on Friday, about 85% of his time was spent in the offensive meetings, but I think that can fluctuate and that can be um, fluid. Um, I thought it was interesting, Tucker Barnhart, was him and I were trading texts a little bit earlier, and he goes, um, I'd mentioned the CEO leader, and he goes, agree. I look at it like the NBA, to be honest. Sure, there are spots to call plays and insert your stamp in certain moments, but a lot of times you've got to let guys go play or pass off the load to that position coach or that coordinator. Lead your team, insert your thoughts, plays when necessary, and get out of the way and, most importantly, lead. And, again, I think it's a different type of leader That, yes, you have Tony Dungy's, you have Jim Caldwells, you have Frank Wright-type demeanors that have had success in the NFL, but I think a bigger percentage of the locker room gravitates more towards the Saturday type of leader than the Wright type of leader. Okay,
3: so Jeff Saturday's first big move, theoretically his decision, I would assume, was to insert or reinsert Matt Ryan back into the starting lineup. I mentioned this earlier. Does Jeff Saturday get the clearance to do that if Tony Dungy had not called out the Colts for benching Matt Ryan on national television and Jim Mercer clearly took exception to it?
1: Yeah, again, it's a thought that hadn't run through my head until you brought it up in the opening segment. I I would like to think that Jeff Saturday took this job and said to Jim Mercer, I need to have control I need over autonomy, right. all the decisions. Right, And I think Jim Mercer... Has that respect? Okay. Does let me rephrase it then, Kevin.
3: Of Jeff Saturday is the beauty of Jeff Saturday. The fact that Jeff Saturday—I'm not going to say one of the few—but is the the for Colts fans should Colts fans be rejoicing because they have a head coach right now that has the respect level of the owner at a high enough level that he actually is able to make decisions without the owner meddling in those decisions because the owner has a love for that head coach that he would not have necessarily elsewhere. I'm not saying against Frank Reich, but just in general.
1: Yeah, I think you're happy, but at the same time, you're worried. What if Jeff Saturday gets a month and a half into this, Jake, and for some reason he just says, you know what, way too much family time. That I'm missing here. That Bristol job was pretty good. Flying up to ESPN two or three days a week was pretty good. Um, I'm making very good money, and honestly – This thing might help him make even more money if he wants to continue down the broadcast route. And he decides to go back to Georgia. And now the Colts are looking for a head coach. And Jim Mercer sent a message to the entire NFL that unless your name's Jeff Saturday, I'm going to be meddling in some pretty important decisions that if typically a head coach or a GM would make. That That would be concerning. I know we're a ways away, but those are some of the bigger picture things that I think you have to acknowledge.
3: You know what I want to see, Kevin? And you tell me if this is unfair. What I want to see and what I'm hopeful for is that for the first time, what one thing that we have not seen really in the last 20 years, well, probably, I, I, let me rephrase that, more like 10 years. I want to see... A head coach, general manager combination underneath Jim Irsay with the Indianapolis Colts. A head coach and general manager that are lock, stock, and barrel. No question about it. Two guys on the same page because the head coach was was interviewed by, selected by, and and hired by the general manager. So you know that those two, without any question, are on the same page. I'm not. In other words, everybody knows Frank Reich was basically Jim Irsay's guy after Josh McDaniel had gone elsewhere and Chris Ballard then had a head coach that the owner actually had brought in. Everybody knows that that Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson, the owner, was, said, like, you two play in the sandbox and play nice with one another. I just want to see two guys that enter the sandbox at the same time with the same – and maybe that's going to be the case with Jeff Saturday. But I would think that Chris Ballard's got to be like, yeah, that's, I didn't really hire this guy, though.
1: It was kind of post game locker room was a little awkward. Ursay's calling up Ballard and Matt Ryan to give the game ball to Jeff Saturday. I'm thinking, if you're Matt Ryan, aren't you like, dude, you benched me? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that.
3: That was my point yesterday, and I think people misunderstood this, Kevin. But what I said yesterday at the beginning of the game, and I used a bad choice of words. But what I said was, this feels like politics, and I didn't mean politics within the Colts, I meant this feels like what we see in politics. What we often see in politics is that somebody who's an elected official makes a decision. It does not go well. And then later they make another decision and people are like, this guy's great because he took care of this problem. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a problem that was that, that he created. It's like a it's almost like a master manipulation where, where people create a problem just to later have a problem to overcome to look great. In the case of the Colts, I just I am bewildered why they went with Sam Ellinger for two games because at the very least, it probably cost them one of them and maybe two, and they're in a totally different situation if they don't get away from Matt Ryan. I just don't understand why Matt Ryan was not, why they didn't stay the course with them because, I mean, this is not a guy from off the scrap heap. I mean, this is a pretty good quarterback, and I know that he had his issues. Don't get me wrong, but... I just I will continuously I'm like yeah it's great that they decided to go back to Matt Ryan but why in the hell wasn't he the starter or Nick Foles at the very least to get I agree with what Tony Dungy had said about that
1: I can only imagine what Frank Reich was thinking seeing all that play out over the last 48 hours yeah he
3: was probably thinking well why didn't I get these toys you Um, took them away from me
1: let's take some callers uh Jake your namesake wanted to talk a little offensive line good morning Jake
5: Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, like, for one thing, great win. Love going to work on a win. But, uh, I, uh yeah, I think one of the biggest moves of all was the adjustments. I mean, just the obvious adjustments to move Matt Pryor out of that starting lineup. Because I was so confused for weeks. I'm like, why is Matt Pryor in the starting lineup? And I get it, like, their depth's not the greatest. But he just wasn't performing. And I, you put Will Fries in a guy who, you know, played a couple of games last season, looked pretty good, and there you go. He gets in, and all of a sudden, we're running the ball again. We're moving up the field, making a push. And I know we're talking about the Raiders, but a Raiders' defensive line's is no joke. I mean, uh, you got Max Crosby there on the end, and I know he had a pretty good game, but Just the adjustments itself, and I really like the offensive play calling from the new kid up in the box. And uh, I we're we're running plays that work. I mean, it's not the same typical, you know, draw plays or it just everything just seems scripted with Frank Reich because I just feel like his play calling was bland. And uh, I just I really appreciated to see something new, the new adjustments, the things working for that, and really good to see those guys pushing. Uh, guys, up
1: the field. And the- Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. Yeah, Will Fries at right guard, Bernard Ryman at left tackle. So I think another thing, if you if you do care about the long term, those are probably your two youngest options that you're putting into those two spots as well. So that's important for development and growth, and you know, building an offensive line moving forward. Uh, one hit against Matt Ryan all afternoon. That's 28 pass attempts. And even if you take out the huge run by Taylor, I mean Taylor was probably still over four yards per per carry. Um, I thought a little bit more north-south out of him. Um, And, Jake, probably the thing that stood out to me the most, and again, this is something I wanted to see, two things I wanted to see out of Saturday's Colts, urgency to start a game and communication to be better on the O-line. I didn't see any free rushers. I didn't see any... You know, stunts that weren't passed off properly. Like Matt Ryan didn't even have a lot of, you know, collapsing pockets or a lot of pressure where he's just getting rid of it right before a guy hits him. He had a lot of time to operate there, and you supported your quarterback unlike you've done this season.
3: It's interesting because everything that we had been concerned about or said were issues for the Colts were all at some point temporarily admittedly given reprieve you know Matt Ryan's not mobile enough to handle an offensive line that can't block for him what's he do he turns out to look like Carl Lewis down the (laughs) sidelines for 40 yards you know what I mean every single thing that had been an issue over the course of the year they had like a little moment of a reprieve of hey that's not an issue for for at least for right now right the best medicine in the National Football League is the Las Vegas Raiders
1: no, that's very true, which you don't usually think about going to Las Vegas for medicine. Well, I guess that's maybe true. some other types <laughs> of medicine. that you. Your, can,
3: hey, that's your Super Bowl team, man. I know, oh God.
1: Only if they stopped after the third quarter. Maybe that would be the best bet. That Was, their, was that their sixth one-score loss of the season? Yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, it's an absolute shame that they are stuck. Were you um, watching that game and just like, Raiders. what the hell was I thinking when I picked them as yeah. Super Bowl picks? But, without question. And the boobers for Josh McDaniels. Well, I, I, I'm shocked he's still still employed right now. Well, it's only like, what, 5 a.m. over there right now? Do you see Derek Carr? I mean, incredibly emotional after the game. Here's an interesting
3: story that we'll get to from Ian Rappaport. Did you see this? I'm not sure when this came out. Uh, Six o'clock this morning which we'll get to maybe later in the program, but Ian Rappaport basically saying, uh, in terms of the Jeff Saturday move, there was so much controversy, that's for lack of a better phrase, I guess, but so much pushback about Jeff Saturday being the guy that Jim Mersey tabbed to be the interim head coach from a national standpoint. Apparently, some of that backlash, according to this article of Ian Rappaport, may have come even from within the building on West 56th. But Kevin, you know, we haven't really gotten to, and maybe it doesn't even merit us spending a lot of time on it, but the Bill Cowher comments that everybody saw yesterday were, uh, look, I understand if people want to push their chest out about the fact that yesterday proved that Jeff Saturday is capable of winning a game as an interim head coach for the Colts. Totally agree. And you have two people that you're listening to on this radio program that were on board with that. And if you want to like, spit your ire at those who question Jeff Saturday's hiring, that's cool. But you don't need to do it here because you didn't hear it on this radio program. I'm not saying that we were sitting here jumping up and down like the Bay City Roller spelling out Saturday night. But at the same time, we are two guys that were like, hey. I, okay, I mean, let, let's see what happens here. I, I got no problem with it. We obviously both like Jeff Saturday. He was a regular contributor to this program. In terms of Bill Cowher, all I would say to that is, sorry, man, I, you know, I apologize that the Colts decided to go against the grain and break up your old man's boys club. Right. Which it, is what NFL, the same tired retread Head coaches, let's go nine and eight every year with some other dude that you know. Let's go get Ron Rivera for the seventeenth installment. Jeff Fisher around? Yeah, exactly. Sorry that we broke up your old, your old crusty boys' club, which is exactly what they did by hiring Jeff Saturday on an interim basis, albeit. Isn't it funny how
1: though that Cowers, you know, because of his head coaching experience, he got a media job over someone who's been in media for years?
3: Well, I saw, you know, a lot of people were saying that and they're like, yeah, but I would rather hear from a head coach talking about how to coach an NFL game than a talking head who's done it forever. And I'm like, "That that's cool, but what about a coach that was working, what about a coach that was working at a, at a lower level local broadcast position that aspired to become a national broadcaster? Bill Cowher, if anything, when it comes to, I, I get the fact and respect his knowledge of football. I wouldn't say that he's necessarily a
1: gifted broadcaster or communicator, right? You right. would have thought the Colts hired some convicted felon with how worked up Coward was. Jeffrey on Dahmer doing on the sideline? Yeah, lines? I mean he, he God, was I mean, worked up his right. It's just like, dude, so whatever. exhausting, frankly. Um all right, let's go to David. David want to talk about Parks Fraser yesterday. What's up, David? Hey guys, thanks for letting me come on. Um real quick, when Jeff Saturday did that press conference with
4: the owner and the GM no doubt in my mind he had Matt Ryan in his eyes. In his mind, he's going to start Saturday, Sunday because you're not going to have a 30-year-old kid redo re- everything on Friday night. You know what I mean? Jeff Saturday had a great poker face during that thing, and he knew what he was doing, and they knew they was going to start Matt Ryan, and I applaud him for it, and I love
3: it for it. You know what I mean? So you're saying you think Jeff Saturday knew that Matt Ryan was who he was immediately going to go to?
4: I'm saying when when he got that job Orton to get that job he's going to say I want Matt Ryan to play or he don't want that job he ain't going to come in with the rookie uh, quarterback
3: Yeah that's fair Games. I mean that's Does a that fair that's a fair assessment I think I don't know I have no idea whether that's the actuality of what took place but it would certainly seem logical that that would be yeah, and, and my only question situation.
1: is why wasn't Frank Reich afforded the same opportunity?
3: You know? Well, that's what I said. Should Colts fans now rejoice that there is a head coach that apparently Jim Irsay respects enough to let him make his own decisions?
1: I'm again, not s- Jim Irsay demanded the benching of Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger, and he wanted it to happen a lot. He wanted it to happen earlier than it did. He wanted it to happen early October. Is when he wanted that to occur. And that's, again, a little bit more of uh, a little bit more bigger picture with everything about the Colts organization. Um, but right now, I think there's no arguing this. And I get there are some fans, you know, I've had people tweet at me like, hey, you know, I care about draft position. You look at yesterday, what the Steelers win, the Lions win, um, you know, some teams that are you know struggling right now get some wins yesterday. The Colts could have moved up in the draft position world. But I think Jim Irsay, once he hired Jeff Saturday, Jake, he thought to himself, I believe in this so much, and I want this to work out so much. I don't think he was there with Frank Reich anymore. He wants this to work out. He was willing to say, okay, I'll sacrifice here in the short term. We can go back to Matt Ryan, even though I disagreed with that a month ago, because I want Jeff Saturday to work out, and I'm going to give him everything available to him, whereas I didn't with the previous head coach.
3: Kevin, so I had said that we were going to get to this later, but I I want to get to it now just because I think it's interesting, and it just literally came out. Ian Rappaport, NFL.com, had the following to say in a column about Jeff Saturday's interim hire. And I'm going to read directly, okay? The unorthodox hire was met with intense scrutiny both inside and outside the building. Colts President Pete Ward and General Manager Chris Ballard, among others, spoke with Ursay and expressed their reservations. Sources say, the Colts have former head coaches John Fox and Gus Bradley on staff, as well as a rising star and special teams coordinator Bubba Ventrone. But sources say Ursae was hell-bent on hiring Saturday, who revealed that Ursae called him during last Sunday's loss to the Patriots to ask about Indianapolis's problems on the offensive line. To me, that does not—when you consider that you have an NFL writer for NFL.com saying that Chris Ballard had questions about that hire, and then that hire was solidified by Jim Ursay by beating the guy that Chris Ballard had originally— Tabbed as the Colts head coach, I'm not saying that spells Chris Ballard's... You know, I think Jeff Saturday pointed out Chris Ballard if I'm not mistaken in the post game. But still, I would not be real comfortable with that if I'm Chris Ballard.
1: Yeah, and just to clarify, I think that came out Sunday morning. Um, and I don't want people to think like, oh, my. I thought it was this morning at six o'clock. Did I read that wrong? I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, that's kind of the big NFL pregame shows. Here comes our news. You know, Schefter does it. Rappaport does it. Um, yeah, that was. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. NFL, um, NFL Network from Munich there with their pregame show, but yeah, everything in there. Um, that's what I have heard is that the upper management of the Colts organization. It um, surprises me that Pete Ward's name would be mentioned in that. Yeah, do you think that's what a Ballard source saying to Rappaport? Hey, you know Pete and I disagreed with it. If you're Chris Ballard, though, what what is to be gained by you saying that's you, a huge gamble, right? You telling the rest of the NFL that your owner's not treating you. With the same sort of voice that you previously had? You want the rest of the league to know that the decision-making in Indianapolis is purely the owner? Well, that was on display last Monday during the press conference. Right. And again, this gets back to, Jake, the conversation last week of like, you're Chris Bow, you're under contract through 2026. but And this would be a very difficult thing to do, but do you think to yourself, my voice is gone here. Absolutely gone. It feels Should, that way, does it sh- not? Should I resign? And again, that's a big question, not necessarily one we need to be having um, on this Monday, but I do think that is something that I've thought about in relation to Ballard. And I know there's a lot of fans out there that say, good, leave. Um, but I—that that is something I've thought about a
3: lot here over the last couple of days.